welcome to the MTM Vegas podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Mark Osterman. We have a great show for you. As a reminder, you can watch this show along with all the visuals that go with it at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. On this week's show, we discuss Las Vegas committing to 10 years of Formula One races, plus the Ojos Locos Casino, the first Latino targeted casino in the Vegas area is now open. The Grand Bazaar shops are getting a new name and a facelift with new frontage on the strip. The Neon Museum has lit their 23rd sign, and it's a special one. And President Joe Biden is moving to eliminate ticket fees and resort fees. Will that make the Vegas experience cheaper? All of that and more coming up right now. As a reminder, you can find all of our Vegas posts, podcasts, and videos at mtmvegas.com. Thanks so much for listening. Let's hit it. So Mark, did you see that big fire at the Planet Hollywood Miracle Mile Shops parking garage? A lot of vehicles were damaged. We saw the aftermath. Crazy stuff. Hey, you take away free parking and people are going to burn your garage down. That's that's the that's the real truth here. Of course, uh, I saw on Twitter everybody blaming electric cars, even though they don't know. Vital Vegas blames something else, people smoking in the garage. But uh, it was pretty impressive, the amount of smoke. And I imagine everybody parked in that garage, their cars now smell like smoke, even if they weren't by the fire. Yeah, you know, my favorite Vegas garage parking story is, I don't remember if you remember, like a couple years ago, the woman pushed the gas to go forward and like, drove through the barrier and was like the car was like <laughs> leaning up against the the wall to the the shopping center or something it was just nuts yeah vegas parking garages are a culture unto themselves mark of course every news item has been formula one it seems like since they announced the race and we have three years of guaranteed races 2023 2024 and 2025 but the clark county commission has moved to make the race day a 10-year commitment allowing formula one to kind of commit longer term of course they're building that paddock that permanent sort of building in las vegas and basically the race will be held the weekend before thanksgiving every year for the next 10 years now i don't think formula one has committed to the 10 years but this is them allowing kind of in the law for that to happen and for that weekend to be set aside I mean, it would make a lot of sense with how much money effort they're putting into getting this set up for it only to be there for three years wouldn't make a ton of sense. And, you know, Formula One's invested buying land and building structures and everything. So I think it'll be there long term. You never know until the, the ink is dry. But I, th I think it makes too much sense not to happen. You know, Formula One wants it. I, I would imagine the city definitely wants it. I think the weekend before Thanksgiving is a good one. Maybe that's a little bit of a, a dead period normally. You know, people getting ready for the holidays and drinking themselves into oblivion because they have to deal with their family and all that. So, yeah, that is a, a good reason to go for the race to Formula One. It's interesting. I saw a graphic somewhere and I don't know where it was. So I'm probably not going to be able to put it up on the screen that said the Super Bowl is expected to bring in like six hundred million dollars to the economy in Las Vegas, where the race is supposed to bring in like one point two billion, like almost double something like that. Well, so this is going to be the biggest event in that's, Vegas. That's how much Caesars is uh, charging for their package alone 1.2 billion people are going to be coming here crazy private planes from everywhere we'll talk about the airport later and what private planes are causing issues uh, but yeah this is going to be good the community is committed to it so uh, we'll hear more as time goes on it did also say that there's still 30 million dollars in capital improvements that need to be made before the race which is stuff like sealing manholes repaving the streets all of that and it seemed like the government's on the hook for that which is sort of strange i guess that's when you make a deal with the devil yeah just think about like if they're going too fast and the the manhole whips up and hits somebody in the head maybe they'll widen the streets while they're doing it what do you think <laughs> or close them off whatever yeah. do, do, do something all right, Mark, I have to tell you a rule of Las Vegas. 
If a woman in a casino offers to give you a massage and go back to the room for $100, don't bring her back to the room, right? You would think this would be common sense at this point, but we have another story. Guy's in a casino. Woman says, oh, I'll give you a massage for 100 bucks." He then says after the massage that it wasn't worth 100 bucks, so she's like, I'll go up to the room and do some more for your friends. I guess flash boobies in his face or something like that. I mean, the story is that, insane. You can get that for a dollar at the VU guy, okay? <laughs> I wonder how much of this is like 100% true and how much of it he's just like leaving details out. But basically, he brings the girls, uh, the girl who gave him a massage and her friend up to his room. His friends are in there sleeping. He goes back to the casino they rob like a watch, you know, like $50,000 in casino chips, altogether over $100,000 worth of stuff. And uh, eventually police tracked her down and, and she gets charged with it. But man, uh, people got to make better decisions in Vegas, I think. Yeah, we had a story like this not too long ago, what, like six months ago, something similar. I'm just questioning, like, how do they get into the safe? It's all, you know, number coded. Like, how are they breaking into this safe? It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Like, did they leave it unlocked? Were they trying to flash their stuff and flaunt it? Like, it's just bad decision after bad decision for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. There, All the casino chips, a lot of the stuff was in the safe. I think most of it was in the safe. And then one of the guys got his wallet kind of robbed. But yeah, bad decisions. I've been to a couple of Vegas bachelor parties where I've seen similar bad decisions. I'll just say that. Guys acting like fools. And yeah, it's not worth it. It's we need not details. Worth it. Details. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to tell. I will just say it wasn't me. And it's not my... Uh, it's not my thing. I don't like to to watch guys act like fools, but something hey, about Lost Vegas makes them do The Shaggy it. song, it wasn't me, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, did you see that? We talked a couple weeks ago about uh, the Wildfire Fremont opening, the newest casino in Las Vegas, but the Lucky Club up in North Las Vegas closed a little while back and has been rethemed as the Ojos Locos Casino, which is the first Latino casino targeting the Latino market. Ojos Locos, they kind of describe as the Latino Hooters. And I didn't even know this. They have 18 locations, mostly in Texas, I think. That's where they're from. But, uh, you know, scantily clad women serving good food, sports on the TV, that sort of thing. So the whole casino is kind of that concept. It's owned by Fifth Street Gaming, who owns Downtown Grand, The Silver Nugget, uh, Evil Pie, Triple George Grill, so, uh, and they've owned this property, I think, for like 15 years. They finally figured out how to kind of re- renovate it into something that they think will work. And it's 10,000 square foot casino, kind of small, but uh, seems like a cool concept. And it's a way to refresh an old property that needed a lot of help. Yeah, I'm glad that it's not just an IHOP going in. You know, this this sounds like a cool <laughs> restaurant, <laughs> cool restaurant that hopefully makes the top 10 or top 20 best Mexican restaurants in Vegas next year uh, type of thing. It looks really cool. It sounds good. I mean, it's a market that is probably underserved or not really focused on. So I'm glad to see that. And and definitely seems like something that will maybe be a bit fun. I know they're planning to open the, the tequila garden with outdoor music and everything for Mexican Independence Day. And we were just down there in Mexico City for that. And it was, you know, an amazing time, amazing experience. So I think that'd be really cool. Something else to check out in the future. But, you know, I I would definitely go hang out there, I think. Yeah, it looks cool, unique. And I definitely want to go up there and check it out and uh, have a meal and uh, take in the atmosphere there. So we will uh, go do that. Maybe I'll share it on a future show. So another thing that we always like to harp on is the Grand Bazaar shops at Horseshoe, formerly Bally's, kind of a thrown together mall that was put together really cheaply. It seemed like Caesars just thought, oh, we need something out there on that corner. And they threw up a few shacks and uh, called it a day. But it seems like it's finally going to get some uh, love and some major renovation. 
Uh, we know Old Red is getting built out there on that corner, but we also learned that there's some other changes happening, including uh, another big building out on the corner, Bottled Blonde, which is going to open in 2024, and then another couple of big kind of uh, retail spaces that they've opened up. Essentially, they're tearing down a lot of the smaller shops except the ones on the outside, and they're going to try to turn this into like an outdoor entertainment food place proper, I think, you know, instead of the way it was before. Yeah, I think this is a good move. You know, we both have uh, thrown shade towards these uh, crappy little shack stores that they've had set up for for years now. But my my big takeaway for, you know, when it was Bally's and Horseshoe now is there's not a ton going on inside. Like I'd always find myself walking over to Paris and, and doing stuff there and they don't have a ton of restaurant options right there. So I think this is a, a something they really needed for that property and something to keep people there that are staying there. So I think it makes a lot of sense and it definitely has to be an improvement. So I'm looking forward to checking out. Hopefully it's good food, cool atmosphere, good drinks. But I think this is a, a big win for Caesars and, uh, you know, something that the horseshoe definitely needed. So what's interesting is some of the new venues like Bourbon Street Parade. It's a venue, but I don't know if they're going to have like Mardi Gras style parades. Uh, it seems like maybe that's going to be the theme of that. There's some other things that came out. The Giordano's and Wahlburger in that uh, spot are the number one locations in the U.S. for those brands. So those are doing pretty good. I think Sugar Factory is going to stick around. So they're really looking to kind of make this into a uh, more of a destination instead of all those little small shops. Those will all be mostly going away, and you'll have bigger tenants, more destination-type experiences. And I, I think it's a good thing. It, it definitely is an improvement. And having those big buildings at the front, all red and bottle blonde, it does sort of give it more of a frontage, more of a, a feel right on the strip, and it covers up some of those ugly buildings. There, Some of them will still be there. Some of those smaller shops along the sides, those shacks will still be there. But for the most part, this is a big improvement. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like when it's all done. So uh, you sent me this thing from Twitter about Vegas sprawl. I think it's a comparison of Vegas in 1984 to today. And you can really see how Las Vegas has just exploded basically in the last 40 years. And a couple takeaways from that, you can see Lake Mead go from like bigger to tiny. And uh, you see us build out in the entire valley. And that's where we are right now, where anything new is really going to happen outside of the Las Vegas Valley as they expand towards like Lee Canyon in the north and, you know, into Ivanpah Valley in the south. So uh, it's just interesting to see, which kind of ties in to our main story of the week, which is the Las Vegas airport having record passengers in 2022, 52,667,000 passengers. That's about a million more than in 2019, a new record. Most of it's domestic. I think 49 million domestic, only 2.5 million international. So still a lot of room for growth, which we'll talk about in a minute. But is this a big shock to you? I mean, Vegas, uh, it seems like we talk about the visitor numbers, more people coming, more people spending money, and the airlines are expanding like crazy too. Well, and I think that, you know, pe more people living there plays a big role into that, too. They're going places. They don't want to just be in Vegas all the time. So they, they travel and they come back. So you're getting a lot more flights for those people, too. Like, just looking at that picture is insane, like how far away it was from the mountains. And now it's like up to the base of it, essentially. Uh, so I think you're getting a mix of all that. A lot of people coming to visit still. And that doesn't even <laughs> include people driving in to visit. But, you know, a lot of people flying in to visit, a lot of people flying home, coming to visit relatives in the area and stuff. So I think it all plays a, a role together. One thing I've noticed too, as the sort of the budget airlines expand is there's more connections in Las Vegas. Previously, you know, with American Delta United, the big carriers, they have their hubs and Las Vegas isn't one of them. So the flights from those carriers would not really be a lot of connections, but a lot of Frontier and Spirits new flights are connecting and they're using Las Vegas more 
kind of in that model of a hub, and I think that's driving a lot more passengers through the airport. Southwest continue to be by far the biggest airline at the airport, almost uh, eight or a little over 18 million passengers in 2022, a 30% change over 2021. Spirit number two at 7.3 million, Frontier number three at 5 million, then Delta, then American. All of them had really big growth in 2022 compared to 2021. And uh, we saw other airlines like Breeze and many others kind of launch in the market and uh, also some international expansion as well. So all the airlines say that they're going to continue to expand. Southwest has said that they're going to massively expand over the next few years where I don't know where they're going to put it. Are they going to get out of those Seagates? Where are they going to park them? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a crazy amount. But the capacity of Harry Reid International Airport is somewhere between 63 and 65 million passengers a year. And it is expected that the airport will hit that by 2030. So that means that there is a, a pain point coming ahead. And that's the reason that they're developing this thing called the Southern Nevada Supplemental Airport. It used to be known as the Ivanpah Valley Airport. And can, and uh, development on it started back in the mid-2000s. But it was put on hold uh, because of the Great Recession. And they really stopped doing any work on it in 2010. Although the land some 6,000 acres, I believe, was bought back then. And it sits somewhere between uh, Gene and Prim, so about 30 miles from Las Vegas. This supplemental airport will be mostly cargo, so the idea is to move a lot of the cargo operations from Harry Reid Airport out there. There may be uh, some passenger stuff as well, but here's the kicker, Mark. Uh, it's not going to be ready till 2037. I mean, who doesn't like taking 30 years to build an airport? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, an airport out in the middle of nowhere too. It's not even like yeah, this is surrounded. You don't have by... to knock. You don't have to knock anything down. It's already knocked down. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit crazy, but it, uh, right now they are in the process of doing a lot of the the land work, getting the permits, uh, doing environmental studies. I know they're working with Brightline to see if there will be a train station there. Uh, but this will be a big airport, and it's something that's absolutely needed. And the interesting thing is some of the articles this week, the airport talking about what's going to happen between 2030 and 2037. If they hit capacity in 2030, uh, what will happen? And it's going to be some pain points. You're going to see delays on the airfield like you see at some of the bigger airports around the country. Um, they're also trying to encourage airlines to fly bigger planes into Las Vegas so they can carry more passengers you know, per takeoff and landing. And they also said one of the big issues has been the increase in private jet traffic into Harry Reid Airport uh, because of all the big events like Formula One and all these other events that we've had. And that takes up slots that could be used by commercial aircraft. So uh, I don't know, will they maybe ban private jets from that airport, force them out to the Henderson Executive Airport or the North Las Vegas Airport? A lot to figure out, but it seems like we might have a few kind of painful years of flying in Las Vegas if they can't get that airport fast track. I still don't understand, even if you started now, how it would take that long to build an airport in the middle of the desert. But, uh, you know, I'm not I'm no civil engineer, but this just seems kind of crazy to me. And you think it would be easier to move if, you know, private jets are a problem. You think it'd be easier to move them off site to somewhere else quicker than that. I'm sure they'll figure it out. This seems like doomsday dire predictions when I'm sure stuff will come together or or maybe the uh, the increase in traffic will level off a bit. But. Yeah, 2037 just seems insane for an airport to be built in the middle of tumbleweeds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe it'll uh, mean that Prim and Gene become, you know, bedroom communities of Las Vegas because they'll have an airport there. That would be cool. 
Yeah, I think there, a lot of international traffic is expected to eventually go there. So there will be passenger terminals, although I say, although they say the focus will be on cargo, which will free up a lot of slots at McCarran, and they can build more terminals there. They do have room to build terminals. The old Terminal 2 site is gone, and you could potentially put something there. It's more about the runways and the takeoff and landing slots. And then let's not forget on a windy day how terrible it can be in Las Vegas with delays uh, as they have limited takeoff and landing. So as you add more and more and the schedule becomes tighter and tighter, this could be a potential issue. And then that could hurt tourism, right? If it, if it gets a bad reputation, right now, Las Vegas Airport has one of the better reputations. Security lines aren't that long. It's fairly easy to get around. You know, it's comfortable in most places. They've done a lot of work on modernizing it. So, uh, you know, to keep the, the tourism going, they need to figure this out. Hopefully they can figure out a way to get an airport before 2037, but it's not going to be a great experience. 30 miles compared to right next to the strip. So flying into Ivanpah isn't going to be the same. You know, it's all international people. So they're coming off an 8, 10, 12, 20 hour flight. And then you're slapped with a 30 minute ride in a car. Maybe more if that California traffic's kicking in like we've seen the last couple of weeks, you know, backed up or anything like that, any type of road construction. So I think if Brightline could put a train there, stop there, station, it would make a lot of sense, and that would make it a bit easier to deal with. But I would, if I was coming in internationally, I would connect somewhere else in the U.S. and then then fly to Vegas from there to just avoid that 30 minutes. Yes, I would do it just to avoid that 30 minutes to an hour in a car. So one last thing, Mark. I want to talk about this Uber scam that happened to me yesterday at, at Harry Reid flying back in late at night, maybe... You hear my voice is a little weird. I got I got back in from from my cruise uh, late at night last night. So I open up Uber and immediately it should be about $17, $18 to my house without any surges. It's not busy. It was late at night. And I open up Uber $39 for uh, for Uber. So I close it, go to Lyft. Lyft is $22. I call a Lyft. All of a sudden, 30 seconds later, I get a notification from Uber. Oh, your rate has dropped by $18. So I think they're just putting in these really high rates. And then if you don't take it, they're actually going to charge you the real rate. Maybe it's a conspiracy theory, but it was frustrating to see. But I mean, it was literally like two minutes later that it said, oh, your rate dropped by $18. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it has to be something like that. Like they're they're tracking you on your phone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they so. saw that you hit lift and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's get it out. Put out a, a lower price, please. But no, I, I mean, everywhere I've traveled, Uber is, it seems like, 50 to 100% more than it was two years ago, which I understand, you know, they're trying to finally make some money if they ever can, and they were subsidizing a lot, but that's a big increase to get hit with, you know, pretty much overnight. It's just, it's been crazy. Yeah, it almost seems like some regulation is needed. There's not a lot of transparency there. Why can my rate drop, you know, basically in half in two minutes? Because to your point, maybe it saw that I called Lyft, or at least it knows that I got out of the app and didn't call it. I've also had times where I've just kind of searched an address and then I try 15 minutes later, you know, you search what's the price. And then when you're ready for it, 15 minutes later, the price is doubled, uh, stuff like that. I think they're playing games, but I want to know what other people have. They've experienced that at the airport where uh, they've got that notification where it dropped or they've seen wild price switches within just a minute or two of each other. Uh, let us know there. But let us know about what you think about the new airport. Is this going to be a good solution? Uh, is it going to be painful in Southern Nevada? The Grand Bazaar Shops, they're also going to get a new name, by the way. We didn't say that. The Grand Bazaar Shops will be renamed, but I didn't see what the new name will be. And then finally, do you bring women to your room should we for call massage? No. The Horseshoe Pit. That's what they should call it. <laughs> I don't know the pit. I don't, <laughs> the pit. I don't know. Pit. Sounds how. cool. Horseshoe Pit. Let's go.
So Mark, did you see that really cool video of a small engine aircraft flying low over Las Vegas out to Red Rock Canyon? Not only does it show the sprawl of Las Vegas, but some of the natural beauty we have out there. Yeah, it really does look stunning when you get out there and you see the red rocks and in the the mountains and everything. And it's it's crazy to see how close the houses are built out there. Like you wouldn't expect it, but out in the middle of nothing, all of a sudden there's this little subdivision with houses right up backed up. And I'm sure if you love hiking or outdoors or anything, that's like the best place you could live, really. Yeah, Summerlin has expanded so far west. It's only a couple of miles from the entrance of the Red Rock, like visitor center and stuff. It used to be pretty remote, but now urban sprawl has gotten all the way to the edge. It's a uh, good, like you say, if you live out there, just a few minutes to get out there. I used to hike all the time, but from where I live here in Green Valley, it takes a bit of time to get out there, but definitely worth it if you're visiting Las Vegas. So pretty. You just need to get a plane and then you can get out there real quick. <laughs> did you hear about these bank robbers that i think they might be the worst bank robbers in the history of las vegas <laughs> of, the, of the world <laughs> yeah so these two men they robbed nine banks over the course of 20 days we're not laughing at the robberies themselves i'm sure the tellers went through a lot and uh, you know i'm really sorry for all of that but in 20 days they robbed nine banks and only got a total of six thousand dollars and uh, it seems like several banks they didn't get anything and they were like just go in they would get spotted some banks called them out it, it, i don't know the whole story is strange but uh, they were super aggressive and it's not a surprise they got caught using the same car going back you know it's multiple banks in a day sometimes crazy stuff yeah like the, these robbers never learn you know risk all of that for 6100 bucks it's just crazy what was that show years ago america's dumbest criminals yeah perfect uh, spot for them uh, it's just bizarre like it doesn't seem like they had a plan uh so mark you and i both love the Neon Museum in downtown Las Vegas. They've restored tons of great neon signs from back in the day. Up until this week, they had 22 signs that are restored and lit up. And there's many other ones that are not lit up. So it's definitely worth a journey out there to see it, especially at night. Highly recommend it. And we have a video on the channel highlighting it as well. So check that out. But they just lit up their 23rd sign, which is the Lido de Paris sign. Now, this was a show at Stardust that was very well known, you know, sort of an adult review type of show. It ran from 1958 to 1991. 19 million people saw it with over 22,000 shows. So definitely a historic show in Las Vegas. That's a lot of boobs. The sign looks beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, when I saw the the number 19 million tickets sold, that's just insane that, that it went that long. You know, we've talked about on this, shows come and go in Vegas so quickly you know, some just weeks after they launch and they fail. And for one to last that long and to have that many people go through is is astonishing, especially in these days, you know, where nothing, nothing comes close to that. It's like the Cal Ripken of shows. So it's pretty, pretty impressive. And I'm glad the signs up. I love seeing those at night. Bring back Stardust, please. Somebody. Void Gaming owns the Stardust name. I think it's an online sports betting app or some sort of an online casino app. So uh, there you go. That's where the historic Stardust lives on. But it's so nice to see these signs get restored. Todd Von Bastians, who's the man who donated the money to do this, said it wasn't only in dedication to the history, but also all the people who work behind the scenes on the show. Good on him for spending the money and good on them for continuing to preserve the history of Las Vegas, all of that neon. We don't see it too much anymore, and it's always appreciated. Can't recommend that place enough. So Mark, uh, in new casino news, Durango, we've talked about it. It's going to open by the end of this year. A lot going on there, but they finally released the details of their food hall. It's going to be 25,000 square feet. Now, you and I have gone back and forth. These things used to be called food courts. 
But this new food hall looks really nice. It looks much nicer than old food courts, maybe up to the level of what we see at Cosmo and the new Aria food hall. So while it might still be a food court, at least the quality looks pretty good. Yeah, this is one of the cooler, if they stick to the renderings, this is one of the cooler ones we've seen. And I like it, you know, it does feel more like an actual food hall, like we've talked about in other places, because it has unique areas. It's not just like one main seating that everything's the same and then there's you know places to go order your food around the outside this has like each section each uh restaurant has like their own unique theme around it unique seating areas so it does look really cool it's almost like you're getting you know eight restaurants or whatever put in one area together and they each have their own vibe and everything so i like it it looks really you know i'd, I'd go check it out definitely not food court-esque as we've seen uh, everywhere else in Vegas for the most part. What's interesting is Uncommons, which is that mixed-use development, uh, DraftKings headquarters are going to be there. That's just across the street, and they're opening a food hall too. So there'll be two food halls across the street from each other. But this one, they're bringing in stuff from Southern California. So like a, a famous burger place, I think it's called Irv's. Uh, Uncle Polly's Deli from Southern California. There's Prince Street Pizza, uh, so we got, Hawaiian street food. We got a California restaurant serving New York deli sandwiches <laughs> yeah well, in I mean, vegas <laughs> fair enough that uh southern california has probably the best delis outside of new york so uh you know they do have a culture there you're gonna have sushi you're gonna have the local vesta coffee roasters and uh, station casinos palace station all of their casinos are known for their oyster bars and the oyster bar will live within this food hall as well just a counter it looks like so smaller than some of their other venues but i know locals who love the station casinos oyster bar will be happy with this as well which uh, casino still has the food court sign that i have to give respect <laughs> as a venetian, venetian. Yeah. yeah now mark the the big move over the last few years i'd say is for every travel company to have their own booking platform their own travel agency where you can put you know hotels and tickets and airline tickets and show tickets all of this together caesars is now launching their booking platform called the caesars rewards travel bundle and this will allow you to kind of bundle everything for your vacation together make caesars a few bucks in the process as they sell you know airline tickets and all of that which is really the the big move move here do you think a lot of people are going to use these types of platforms that are specific so it's only going to be like caesar's hotels bundled with other things so you're not going to be able to book you know hotels in another city things like that i don't know that i would use this yeah i definitely would not use it but i do think people will you know especially people chasing status and stuff because you can earn credits for it I'm, i imagine rewards credits probably tier credits uh, in some form or another so the caesars is doing this because it will make them more money you know this isn't going to be good for us the consumer i don't think you know i doubt they give much of that back to us it's just moving money from this company over to this company and i always try to book direct if possible because you're just adding more hoops to the, you know, to jump through if something goes wrong. Like if your flight gets delayed, do you have to call Caesars and deal with them? And we've oh all God, that Caesars sounds before. like a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> we've, all, we've all had to call Caesars. It's not the best experience. So I don't I, I, say away. That's that's what I'll say. Now we got an update on the MSG sphere again. This is a quick update, but uh, they released their earnings. They talked more about their move to spin off uh, their live entertainment division. And uh, also we learned that it's gonna open in September of this year. So previously we had heard guidance that the screens would be operational by Formula One, that maybe it wouldn't be ready. And now they're saying September, so significantly earlier than thought. So uh, just a few months before we start to see the whole thing lit up, I imagine. I'm kind of surprised that they haven't, you know, with this opening not too far in the future that they haven't announced their opening act or like the first month or so. So you think that that would have been nailed down quite a bit in the past, or at least you have an idea. And so hopefully we 
we hear something about that soon? Because I have to imagine, you know, people want to buy tickets and stuff. So they said they're in active discussions with artists for residencies and they're targeting four to six headliners a year. They also said that they will have details in the coming weeks of their debut original attraction, which they've been filming at their makeshift studio in Hollywood. It says it's going to be from a popular Hollywood director. So we will learn in the next few weeks what that house attraction is, uh, and then hopefully more about the residencies. But it seems like they're still trying to get that nailed down. I'm sure uh, it's not going to be cheap to get whoever comes there. And of course, those tickets are gonna be insanely expensive. But people who doubted this project would happen, it looks like it's you know 90% to the finish line and it's gonna get there a world-class uh, venue for Las Vegas, no matter if they ever make their money back or not. All right, so uh, the Super Bowl is coming up this weekend and Las Vegas is known for its Super Bowl parties. All of the casinos put on Super Bowl parties for their high rollers by invite only. Uh, I've worked at one at the MGM Grand several years ago, but they all do it and it's a great way to kind of experience it. But if you're not invited to one of those parties, there are some other interesting ones around town. Gilly's downtown has an all-you-can-drink $125 viewing party, which seems a little expensive to me. Binion's, uh, did you see that? Uh, Binion's has this like poster for it. It's like the most basic poster, and it just says, you can watch the game for free here at Binion's. So, uh, you know. <laughs> we have TVs. Come on in. Yeah. <laughs> I also thought it was cool that Illuminarium at Area 15 will have a 360 degree showing of it. So that'll be unique with their immersive sound system. Which one stood out to you? Yeah, definitely Container Park. It's an area I like, you know, if the weather's nice outdoors, $40 a person. And I'm guessing that they'll have like a big screen in that that back area that's like a grassy, fake grass area. And then you have a couple of restaurants in there you can grab food from during during the game and everything. So it just seems like, one, it's not on the strip, so you don't have to mess with all that. And two, you know, it's a big open area and only $40. Like that's, you know, four or five drinks in Vegas and you and you got your money back. Yeah, and that includes all you can drink, beer, wine, and seltzer. So Mark, a lot of people wanted us to talk about this. And President Biden has been talking about over the last couple of weeks, eliminating junk fees and proposing the Junk Fee Prevention Act. And we don't talk politics here, so stay out of the comments with politics. We're going to talk about how this relates to Las Vegas and what we think will happen with that. And there's a couple different ways that this Junk Fee Prevention Act affects Las Vegas. First, they want to talk about eliminating airline fees for things like children, you know, for things like families traveling with children, uh, you know, making sure people sit together. Although airlines in practice have a policy that allows for this, uh, they do not, uh, you know, you don't get free seat selection, stuff like that. But also to eliminate ticket fees. And Ticketmaster has, you know, an exclusive on like 80% of the biggest venues in the country when it comes to tickets. We've talked about the crazy fees. They've just gotten more and more and more, and this is looking to attack that. You think this is a good thing? And then we'll go into resort fees in a second. Yeah, I mean, in theory, it's a good thing. I've seen Ticketmaster where I've gone to book a venue and it's 40% fees, which is crazy. And so the flip side of this is if they get rid of the fees, they're probably just going to increase the price. And the reason that they've always done this is because they get to keep a bigger chunk of the fees versus you know what they have to share with either the hotel or the the artist and stuff like that so i don't know that it will be better for us long term but it'll be nice the big thing i think that will happen from all this is hopefully everything will be priced out on the page when you first look at stuff like you're not hit with any taxes or resort fees and stuff after you, you go to book and you're not aware of it so as long as it shows on the front page i'm okay with it but 
Yeah, fees are are crazy, especially Ticketmaster. That's one I hate the most. Yeah, and there's really no need for it as far as their operations. And in this case, I support this because Ticketmaster really is sort of a monopoly. I'm not going to call them a monopoly. Obviously, that's for government regulators to figure out. But it's not like you have multiple exchanges where you can buy these tickets where they're competing in the fees department. And, you know, more importantly, transparency is important. You should see the price of the ticket on the beginning, not to find 40% more fees when you get into it. And like you said, the fees have just creeped up, especially during COVID. And, and since then, they've gotten higher and higher. And, uh, you know, I think this is a good way to get everything disclosed up front, which moves us to resort fees. Now, as you said, resort fees started as a way for hotels to avoid paying extra commissions online travel agencies because it's not part of the room rate. They don't have to pay that percentage of commission to the OTAs. And they've evolved into this like system wide practice where even like, you know, comfort inns in some cities charge resort fees. And we see resort fees in Las Vegas of $50 or more. So it has become a problem. And in this proposal, they won't, they'll eliminate resort fees, eliminate any of these junk fees. You'll see the final price, including everything up front. I support this, but I do caution people. It's not going to make hotels cheaper. They'll just price it into the room rates. So if you're paying a $50 resort fee now and they ban it, you're not going to pay $50 less. The room rate will just go up. Yeah. And I think that this is a big, you know, the the interesting thing of how this will play out is it's a big selling feature for status is getting the wave resort fees. And what are you going to do? What are you going to replace that with? Because, you know, that's going to be buried into the rate if you're not getting a comp anymore. So now your room just went up 50 bucks and you can't, you know, swipe it away with your with your rewards card. So this might actually be bad for gamblers in the long run. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I've had this issue uh, on my mind for several years. I've gotten in fights with people. I never had an issue with resort fees themselves. I always had an issue with disclosure. For instance, airlines are allowed to charge fees uh, that are rolled into the airline price, like Spirit charges a booking fee for online, and it's rolled into the price that they display up front on their website. That's really all we need is if they want to charge a resort fee, who cares what the charge is? Just give us that final price up front. But if they eliminate resort fees, it's fine. It's more of just a business practice, and uh, we're still going to pay higher prices. But the important thing is disclosure. I think that this kind of gets us closer to that. And I hope that uh, people support it, or at least we can have a discussion about how, if this isn't the right solution, what is the right solution? I think that this Junk Fee Prevention Act has pretty good support so in Congress, so hopefully some form of it gets passed. The bottom line is better disclosure is better for consumers. When you see a price advertised on a search engine, you should pay that price and uh, let them figure out what they put into that price uh, later. That's, that's my thought on it, but I'm sure a lot of people out there have... Uh, some very spirited opinions. Yeah, and I played the game with Frontier this past weekend when we flew to Orlando, and I didn't pay for the seat fees. We were flying with my kids, and I figured they're old enough that if they have to sit alone, they can do it. But I'm imagining, you know, one of them will get the parents, so we'd put my younger daughter with the parent. But we ended up getting two and two. So we had, you know, a parent with, with the child, and each, you know, it, we were separated by, like, five rows or whatever. But we saved, you know, $80 per flight, so 160 bucks round trip by not picking seats, and, and we kind of went with it. So this would be huge for families, you know, that you can't get hit with those fees, but then they're just going to roll it into the price. So we'll see how it plays out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the MTM Vegas podcast. We really appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And as a reminder, you can find all of our Vegas content, posts, podcasts, and videos at mtmvegas.com. Thanks for listening and have a great week.